weighed in as we still bask in the afterglow of one hell of a two-mile chase on Saturday at Ascot. Everything we'd hoped for delivered through two superstar horses. And this is why we absolutely love National Hunt Racing. Is that right, Kevin Blake? Yeah, it was magic here, wasn't it? And look, we're you know, also crusty old curmudgeons. No, we've seen it enough times in the past where we give a race a big build up and you hope it's going to be this and it's going to be that. It's rare that it like it really fully de- delivers and goes beyond what you even expected. But that was probably the case on Saturday. Like, Jesus, what a contest. Yeah, absolutely. It had, every, it had everything. Had absolutely. Really good. I am going to take Vanessa out of the crusty old curmudgeons uh, bracket if you don't mind. <laughs> Whatever about you, me, are you, me, and the crustiest old curmudgeon there, Tony Calvin. <laughs> Vanessa is certainly not part of that group. Is that right, TC? We'll forgive her that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> yeah, and we'd like to welcome uh, Bear, Vanessa's dog, to the show as well. That's your um, dog, Bear. How old, Vanessa? Uh, two years old, best dog around. Okay, yeah. I was, I was gonna, I was gonna say, well, you've turned me down three times. Your mom obviously is a no-go area. I was gonna ask Bear to she want to go out for a drink, but uh, I think at two years of age, I better steer clear. The old age oh, my <laughs> oh, oh my god! How, how, how did the grandma approach go? You? Um, I'm still, I'm still working up to that. The you know, I told you my grandparents are dead. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll bite my tongue there. Yes, please do, please do. We're, we're gonna start the show cleanly, and uh, that's it, that's it. Okay, listen, guys, we'll crack on. We've loads to talk about footsteps to the festival week three. We're gonna talk about uh, the Turners, the Ryanair, and the Stairs. All your listener questions as well will be answered in full. And uh, I thank you in advance for sending them through. But we have to start off with the race of the weekend. Look, I, I. Kevin, we all hoped, first of all, the clash would happen. We all hoped that both horses would turn up in their A game. And what transpired, I saw you put up on Twitter afterwards, what transpired was actually exceeded our expectations, I think. It was just, it had everything this race. It really did, because look, Energamain, who, you know, I, I suppose being realistic about it, like a lot of English race scores, I suppose the wider public wouldn't have been familiar with him because while he'd been dominant over here in novice chases, you know, he didn't turn up at any of the marquee festivals. So he was coming over as this almost unknown contender that had these credentials, but didn't have the profile. And you have Shishkin, who was kind of waltzed through, you know, his kind of his, his novice chase career, hammering everything, but maybe not fully capturing the public's imagination because, you know, bolting up isn't necessarily the, the most engaging thing. Um, but it's just the two of them have come out of this so enhanced mm. because of what we saw. You know, and, and Ergamain does what he does what he always does. You know, he set off, made the running, this this low aggressive style of jumping. And you know, we talked about it on on, on Friday or Thursday preview in the race. You know, the possibility was that his style might just put Shishkin under the pump a little bit because Shishkin does go that little bit left. And despite you, his unbeaten record going right-handed, and um, that tendency to go left did just put him on the back foot. And, yeah. and that, that mistake he made, or the peck, I should say, it wasn't even a mistake. He pecked at the sixth. And he looked in big trouble. What, what did he trade at 8.4 or something in running? He looked I, in big, big trouble. Mm. Big trouble. And, you know, that's what you want champions to do. You know, it's one thing swanning around and hammering in fear or opposition. But when the same horse really faces proper adversity, which Shishkin did the other day, you want to see him really show what they're worth. And, and he did, you know, and to, to seize the verdict close home. Like I was, I suppose I was marginally an Ergamain man going into the race. But, you know, it was a fabulous contest. It really, really was. It was. It was. And and the, absolutely the, the two of them are just lifted because of it now. They're yeah. both, both up to another level altogether. Tony Calvin, even you must have been mm. impressed by what you saw. Yeah, I mean, I, at no point really until the final half a furlong did I think um, 
the winner was going to get up. Yeah, I, he was in trouble all the way, wasn't he? And were you trading? Were you trading during the race, or, or were you just no? Back no, I, I didn't. I mean, it's, like, like I say, some bookmakers saying it's a, a massive betting race, but it's the kind of race that you know mm -hmm. just passed me by from that point of view. But yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't go as overboard as some has. You know, obviously, Bruff Scott's kind of set the tone for some people by saying it's the best sporting event he's ever been to, and you know. And he's about, is it the only one he's ever been to? Well, like, like, he was he was one of the top sports journalists in the eighties and nineties. I'm joking, I know. And, and he's about 108 as well, so he's been to a fair <laughs> few of these gigs. Um, but I, I, look, I don't buy into that. I mean, um, you know, on, on some level, was rule for guy getting up at, 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 at holding on at Haydock was was a better spectacle as that. But ah, I mean, stop! No, but just let me finish, Blake. Let me finish. But what I'm just saying, because you got two top class horses going at it so little between them and obviously it, it, it ratcheted up another level there but yeah I mean I was amazed. you know the comparisons with with Amateur are just 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 stark aren't they I mean even I, I went back and I went back and have a look at everyone's gonna say oh you know can he get his revenge at, uh, at Cheltenham or the like and so I went back and have a look at that 2018 champion chase and Funny enough, Altiel actually traded at 8.4 that day. And he looked, he looked beat and he still won by seven lengths of mid. He just got exactly the same attributes, the, you know, the, the drifting to the left, the, the, the power pack finish, the overdrive up the, up, up the, uh, up the run. And it's kind of like, it's, they're so, so similar horses. And yeah, I mean, obviously it just sets it up nicely for Cheltenham, doesn't it? Hopefully they'll both get there. But, but when you look at, I mean, a lot of people have analysed you know, the race and, you know, like, can he get his revenge? But you look at the prices now on the exchange. I mean, uh, I, I always I always put it into, into betting terms and potential terms. At the moment, we're asked, at Cheltenham, we're asked, we're saying Shishkin would win one out of the two renewals and Anergamine would win one out of the four renewals. And actually, I think they're both right. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not going down the, the joke we made on Racing Only Better on, 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 uh, on Friday, but, you know... They're just the right. I mean, I can see Shishkin winning one out of every two renewals, and I can certainly see Nergaby winning one out of every four. So it's possible that both of the prices for Cheltenham are right. And, you know, if they both get there in pink form, everything else is just playing for third, isn't it? But that's hold, on, I, hold on two seconds, yeah. CC. Yeah. Are we in danger of completely forgetting about Shaq and Porsois? Yeah. Um, like, like he has one day, like he's had a bad day the last day we saw him, but like. Yeah. You know, look at his form. Like he, he smashed up Alaho, he smashed up Fakir Dudery. You know, not just beating them, smashed no, them. No, you know, that, that surely puts him in that sort of zone. No, okay. when we did the champion chase last week, I obviously I, I I spoke to connections there, and they just said, look, they're they're going to get him back for Dublin. Well, they haven't. They they are quite confident of getting him back for Dublin. And I actually spoke to them yesterday because when we when we we're going to do in the footstep for the festival, we're doing the Ryanair, and I said I looked at that race. Um, and I just say, Shaka, you want to step him up in trip after that, and you've got no chance against those two. So you've got no chance of going up to two mile five with that horse. So yeah, it, it sounds like he's going to rock up, and he is the only one form wise that can hold a candle to mm. those those top two, isn't he? But but obviously, if you're going to back him, if you're looking at anti post now, I mean, you, you'd see what he did at Dublin. Right? Yeah, but he, like this could be a three way goal. And look again, like I saw some some people talking about this now after Saturday you know oh maybe they'll send an argument up to the champ up to the Ryanair now oh I can't possibly beat Shishkin you know and look oh, the, the case the case is obvious going the other way around you know we know Shishkin loves Cheltenham you know it's, it's an obvious case that you know yeah. an argument might have had his best yeah. chance to beat him on Saturday but Jesus Christ that's just a length 
Yeah, <laughs> so which are hard, it's a horse race. We, yeah, have, you know, we have a few questions on this, so we come back to that in a second about what could have potentially happened in Sheldon. But Vanessa, just on the race itself, you know, um, I, I have to say I was waiting on um, an argument for um, a nice little accumulator that I'd built up. I already had my flights to Vegas booked. <laughs> I was about to go to Dublin with my passport to celebrate. <laughs> and then Shishkin showed what I can only say, and I have to just say, utmost respect, the heart of a champion and the heart of a lion to do what he did. Yeah, I mean, everything the boys have said, it's just a phenomenal race. But in terms of the race day itself, it was just perfect from start to finish. Just the way it built up to the big matchup between Energumin and Shishkin. But even prior to Energumin and Shishkin, you'd had what would have been a very, very enjoyable top-class day of racing with stories like the Tommy Oscar story, Royal Pagai, which we'll get on to, Yala Enki and the three-timer. One of the coolest rides I've ever seen over fences from Kevin Brogan on that mm, JP yeah. horse at Ascot. And then David Maxwell in a photo finish to start the day. Like the day had everything before you even got to Shishkin and Ergumin. So by the time we got to the Clarence house, honestly, I was just, I, you know, I watch racing day in, day out. And as you can become a little bit sort of, I don't know, maybe immune to some of the big stories. They sort of wash over you a little bit more the more you're in the game. But this in particular, this day, I was buzzing. I was sat at home, absolutely buzzing on the sofa as we built up to the Clarence house. And then even when they jumped off, I thought it'll just be Sod's Law. One of them will fall at the first or something. You know, even though they'd actually jumped off, like the expectation that the real smash up would happen at the finish. It's, I still didn't believe it was going to happen. And then when it did happen and Shishkin started to make ground and there was excellent commentaries all, all around from the commentators and it was just magic. I absolutely loved it. I was buzzing afterwards. Uh, it was just a real, real racing thrill and a rare day, to be honest with you. But, you know, one of those days once a year will keep you going for another two or three or, you know, more years. It's just yeah. terrific. Just it is. It does. it does. It sustains you, doesn't it? It almost... Yeah. And, you know, we've, we've given out about the programme, the National Hunt programme, particularly, yeah. I guess, over the last uh, few months or so. It, it, you know, a race like this, Kev, almost makes you forget all the problems because you're so wrapped up in the drama, the story, um, and just the thrill of what we were watching there. And even the fact that I had back to Nergamine and was waiting for an absolute fortune um, still didn't dampen the fact that I could appreciate what an incredible horse race it was. It was brilliant. Well, that's it. It just, as Vanessa says, like the whole day, but I suppose particularly the main event, it just showed what the sport can be and how good it can be. And like only a few, a couple of months ago, like I was there tweeting the, the 2004 Tingle Creek, you know, the, the Moscow Flyers already have well chief and kind of opining that, you know, this seems like a different era. Like it seems so long ago, you know, but like this was without what Dover egg the pudding, like this, this could be one of those races that gets tweeted in, in 10 years time or 15 years time. And people say like, geez, do you remember that? Like that was absolutely, that was Tony shaking his head. Tony says, we can't. Yeah, it, it, was a great, it, it was a great, it was a great race, wasn't it? But it's, you know, it's not like they were kind of like, side by side going at it head bob like you know like some of the great races we've seen the Luigi brought at Goodwood and the like but yeah of course it was a great race but it maybe it's just a byproduct of the fact that we've been starved of such matchups in recent years that people have gone ridiculously overboard about it but just coming back to um your point Vanessa yeah you mentioned the commentaries when I look at a horse race perhaps I'm just so engrossed in it even though if I haven't had a bet in there I never ever Listen, I, I never, I never hear the commentary, even though it's on. Really? I, I might, yeah, I mean, I, literally, I, I could come on. I could come. I could watch that race. In fact, I don't know what, even know what channel I watched it on. 
I certainly don't know who was commentating on the channel I was watching on. I was listening yeah. to Mike Caramel and I remember every word he said. I, thought, I, 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 I think the yeah, it's excellent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I just, I, I obviously, like I said, there's three different, uh, three different commentators if you join yeah. on, on Five Live as well. I, I, I literally, no race I ever watched that mm. I, I, I paid any attention to the commentary. Subconscious, obviously, I'm listening to it, but I'm not hearing it. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 really, I disagree. For yeah, me, the commentary I, I, really. You can't disagree it. with me not hearing it. It's just not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Yeah. But I'm just saying. Just in terms of the role a commentary can play, like I do think it, it can really lift it. You know, a, a yeah. commentator that gets that gets carried into the drama. You know, I think I think it's theater. You know, it, it can add more to it. Look, the race is the race, regardless of what anyone's saying about it or commentating on it at the time. But I do think it can enhance. And like, I, maybe I'm different now, but like I, you know, when I think back to great races, like I can remember. The, some of the words, you know, some of the calls, yeah. you know, like Jim McGrath, uh, see the stars arc, you know, we, we, we can all say that verbatim. He's going to have to be a champion to win from yeah. there. That, yeah. is, that yeah. will stick with uh, me for the whole of my life and beyond. Honestly. Exactly. I, I was Rancy, you know, is, the race is, is that, that live? Is it live, live or, is it live or live. going back and listening to an for after? Me, pro- pro- probably going back. Probably no, going for back. me live, I remember like, having my eyes pinned to see the stars in that arc and Jim McGrath saying that line. I remember where I was sat. I remember at home, like I remember that exact moment in the race. He's going to have to be a champion. Yeah. He is, I reckon. I, I, yeah. I, I, oh, so I was up in the hotel in Belfast. I was working and I, I was sitting in the, the lobby because I got kicked out of my room. I asked for a late ticket <laughs> to sit there in peace and watch the race, but I got kicked out of my room. It helped if you pay. Yeah, <laughs> I paid for an extra night when I didn't need to. Um, I would have paid for a week if I never gave me that one. But I was sitting down, sitting on my iPad, sitting in the in the lobby of the hotel, and I had a full blast up. And I was listening to my Carmel and commenting. And people walking by, calling, I was going, "You shut up!" <laughs> people were coming over and saying they were all kind of peering over my head when we watched the race. But I thought Mike's commentary was absolutely brilliant. I'm a huge fan of his anyway, his voice and everything. But it, yeah, I, I I remember every word. I know it, it just. It sets the tone for the race. And if you have a bad commentator, TC, on a brilliant race like that, it can ruin the race. I mean, like, that's well, yeah. the yeah. that I say. You know, I know it doesn't uh, seem to don't hear it, but it can ruin the race. Yeah, perhaps I'm just, perhaps when I watch the race and it's a tight finish and I've got an interest in it, I just, I'm just shouting at the TV anyway. So, yeah, perhaps I don't. <laughs> okay, but a couple of questions. Oh, crusty curmudgeon. A couple of questions. <laughs> really? I just, I, I just, for me, a horse racing commentator plays no enjoyment in, in what I'm watching. I'm, yeah. I'm watching, I'm not, I'm not listening. Yeah, well, that's well, well, one of your famous Twitter polls on this TC to get the public opinion on it. Yeah, I find that absolutely <laughs> fascinating. Just last point on that. I honestly find that so interesting because for me, the commentator adds so yeah. much to a live race, that's- even just from watching a race in terms of, you know, just what they the way they can bring a race to life for me really adds massively to the yeah. event itself. Yeah, I, just, I, just I, I don't know. I don't know if it's Richard Halls or Mike Catmull. I was watching. I just don't know. Yeah, well, I can, just to back Tony up for a second, to give you a different perspective, I know when I commentate on different sports, a lot of people mute the sound. So maybe TC, TC, TC maybe, does it, maybe you do have some valid points. No, 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 you're a very good um, rugby commentator. You, I, listen, I listened to you twice at the weekend. Oh, Jesus oh, Christ, bloody, man. It's yeah. a rough weekend for you. <laughs> listen, um, okay, a few questions then. Um, a couple on, on what could happen in Cheltenham and a couple on the ITV coverage. I just want to start with the ITV coverage, seeing as I were talking about the commentary. Um, so Racing Tips and Guinness Tips says, after all the build-up and the spectacle that delivered, how much of an own 
goal for ITV Racing do you think it was that ITV itself didn't move the meeting from ITV4 to the main channel? Yesterday was exceptional for our sport. It was an opportunity to showcase it. And um, Dave says, regarding the big race Saturday, shouted over to ITV4, uh, shoved over to ITV4, while a five-year-old repeat from January 2017 was shown on the primary channel, yet they claim that they want to sell the sport. And um, Paul Robinson, as great as Saturday in Ascot was, the numbers in attendance must be classed as disappointing. Did Ascot suffer from people not actually believing that the two of them would actually show up? Also, could ITV have moved it to the main channel and cross-promoted on other um, shows? On the ITV issue, is that fair, Kevin Blake? I mean, they would have decided this, obviously, weeks or months in advance, on the schedule, it's not as if ITV4 is that difficult to find. Surely people can navigate a remote control and find <laughs> where the racing was on. What, what, what's the criticism here? I don't get it. Yeah, I, I don't really get it either. You know, like these things are set out in the contract a long time ago. You know, they've X number of main channel days, X number of ITV4 days. They do their best to, you know, get the best days they can on, 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 on the main channel. But, you know, the Clarence House Day, you know, when you're looking at it months ago, you know, yeah. it, it was put in as an IT4 day, ITV4 day. But look, as I say to you, it's not a difficult thing to find if you're in the UK. It's slightly more difficult if you're in Ireland, but that's neither here nor there. But like the viewing figure was massive. It was like, what's the guess? I think 850,000. Wow. Like that's a, that's yeah. a giant number. Like you, 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 you wouldn't get up there loads of times in a year, you know? And like I think ITV4. I, I'm, I'm certain I'm right in saying like the viewing figures they consistently get in ITV4 outperform what Channel 4 was getting, you know, in their last term of contract, you know, which is which is a huge kind of success story, really, for ITV4, um, you know, compa- compared to that, you know, considering plenty of people at the time the deal was made would have, would have been complaining that, if, you know, the racing wasn't going to be on ITV, the main channel the whole time, but, you know, ITV4 stands up really well, so I don't see it myself, and in terms of a last-minute switch, you know, if it was possible, I'm sure they would have done it, but it's, I'm sure it's, you know, highly impractical thing to do at short notice. But, um, you know, would it, would it have got a million more on ITV1? I very much doubt it. Well, it'd be like a concert, you know, you know, being booked, say, for, I don't know, for, um, say, Leicester City's ground, whatever, and then they sell out the tickets very quickly and then decide very late on to change it to Wembley. You just don't do that thing. You know, it's set in stall. It is where it is. People know where it is. It's not difficult to find. And the viewing figures back that up. So I don't. I think that's unfair and criticism completely. In regard, in regards to the other question about attendances, I'm not entirely sure how many people were at Ascot, but mm. I mean, Ascot's so big, it takes a massive crowd, a rural Ascot type crowd in high summer to make it look full. Mm, <laughs> um, yeah. And so that's a big challenge anyway. I didn't. I didn't. What watching the output on both channels, I didn't for a minute think that it looked particularly not not busy. You know, I thought it was the crowd. Busy. Sounded yeah. busy. I, um... The crowd that was there was the crowd I kind of expected to see there. And then there was just just a tie into that question, actually, because um, I think the person who asked that question said, were they a bit, we're asked got a victim of people thinking that this race might, might not happen, you know, the actual mm. clash. Just from working behind the scenes at Sky, and this isn't just, I'm not talking about attendances here, I'm just talking about building up to a race full stop. We, I, I actually definitely think that we have been a victim to a lot of these clashes not coming off yeah. because I know for a fact the way that, for instance, we plan features at Sky. I'm, I'm freelance now, but when I was a features producer there, we sit down, we talk about these clashes. These features and promo content takes a lot of resource, money and resource and time to put together. 
And so many times you go on a shoot and the horse doesn't show up. You put, you know, you go to creative, you get really good content together and then the clash never happens. It never sees the light of day. Costs thousands of pounds. Now, I'm not saying that's not a reason to build up to a race, but I do think that the for me personally, producers, presenters, people behind the scenes have been um, wounded in the past by these things not coming off. And as a result, it's like, is this really going to happen? And then when it looks like it is going to happen with three days to go, it's too little, too late. Um, I genuinely think, and I'm, you know, Sky Sports, ITV, and potentially Great British Racing as well could have built this clash up better. But it's just so hard to know if it was ever going. You know, it, it was hard to know if it was actually going to come off. Racing Absolutely. is racing is so hard to market for for the reasons you outlined there. As as regards to the actual um, the attendance, well, I couldn't oh, yeah, find out the exact actual that. attendance, but. Someone, um, someone just texted me. I, I asked someone there who was there. They said the King Edward VII was 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 um, was uh, sold out, but he said it wasn't overly busy anywhere else. So perhaps it wasn't a massive crowd. But it, yeah. So what? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, look. It's, okay. Well, just on on the tactics then as well. And any one of the three of you can pick this up if you like. So we've had a couple of texts in, in about you know the possibility of Cheltenham. So. Um, Christian Martin says, and this is something that I'd be interested to know as well, your view. Do you think Paul Tennant could have gone slightly harder <clighs> in front on an energamine? 30 miles per hour and 15, 16 second furlong suggests it wasn't overly quick. And if so, do you think the outcome would have been different? Brad Maxey says, do you think the panel <clears throat> think that, excuse me, Mullins Townend uh, might change tactics next time around and try to avoid giving Shishkin a target on the run-in? Um, tactically, Liam says, how does an energamine have a chance at beating Shishkin in a champion chase? Felt everything went right from yesterday and he still got beat. Um, and there's a few more on that yesterday. I mean, do any of you think that next time around, Willie and Paul would say, right, let's go as hard as we can without the horse breaking down and then see if he can come and take us? Because Shishkin was under pressure yesterday, but still had enough in the tank to take him on the well, final couple of strands. I wondered, I, I, I think pace-wise, I'm not sure they would want to go that much harder with an argument early on because I think you risk then just blowing your load too quickly. But I do think that I wondered if there's any scope when you're just really trying to get down to the finite ways you might be able to beat Shishkin. I, I, this might be complete and utter bollocks, but when I watch the race back, you know, when Shishkin hits that flat spot and he's just under the cosh with yeah. a couple of fences still to go, I know it's hard for the jockey on and Ergevin to know, you know, you're looking back the whole time, but is there a moment there where Paul could just get a couple more lengths on him, which would then make his task in the latter stages of the race harder? Potentially, I'm just like maybe shooting in the dark here but I, when I watched it back I thought if he'd skipped a couple clear there just press the accelerator just a fraction because it yeah. is a matter of fine margins mm -hmm. he'd have he'd have you know Shishkin would have had that fraction more to have done would he have got there anyway probably because like you say he just dug so deep and he seemed to want it but I just wondered if there might be some scope there when Shishkin hits the flat spot can Energumin utilize his uh, cruising speed just a fraction better there yeah. Interesting, interesting. The, yeah. My one takeaway, look at the Willie Munnings interview after the race. He he looked absolutely astonished that his horse got beat. Yeah. I, I've got, I have got no doubt they went into that race thinking we are going to win this. Yeah. And uh, like, and he said everything went right, you know, and we're going to have a hard job overturning that. I mean, that, that's bollocks. As Kevin said, we're talking about length here. Um, you know, you've got Cheltenham, even though he's unproven there. I mean, it's going to be... You know, better ground maybe. It's going to be on, on the sharper of the, the Cheltenham tracks. And all these people are saying, well, oh, Shishkin can jump a lot better. So therefore, how's the Nurgaming going to turn around the form? Well, 
there's a bloody obvious answer to that. Shishkin could jump even worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, and so, so all this stuff about, oh, Shishkin can, can only improve in the jumping stage. Yeah, yeah. No, that's how they can regress. Exactly. And there's no foregone conclusion here. I mean, that's like you're not going to just stamp that performance, take it to Cheltenham and press repeat, and then all of a sudden you get one leg. I'm with one you, completely with you. Then you throw in a bigger field, you throw in better horses. I mean, come on, people. Yeah, Jesus like, Christ. I, I wouldn't do anything different with an argument. Like if Paul could have it again, maybe he would have went like marginally, maybe t- a tiny bit faster in places, but like the yeah. finishing speed of the race was 101.9. Yeah. You know, so it's not like he he went slower than he should have to any great extent, you know. But um, I you just do the exact same thing again. You jump out in front, you jump quickly, and you hope that things go a bit wrong for Shishkin in behind you, which they ha- always have the scope to do. Um, and look, he's run in arguments probably run to like whatever 180 here or, or a little bit less 180 on um, RPRs and time form. I think uh, just do it again. Do you it know, again. Shish, Shishkin, his jump like, like is horse. so fast, isn't it, Kevin? It's, like, it's daring. It, it's it's like it's probably it's a slightly lower than ideal. Like he's yeah. just very low and aggressive. And, and we said it before before the race. Like the thing about him is, and it's a trend with him. You watch all his races, and like his best three jumps tend to be his last three. Because he's just low, quick, and brave, and it's just when you really want him, it's just like boom, boom, it's boom. Like hurricane fly over a hurdle. He just yeah, flies them. like yeah, like, yeah it Shish, is like Shishkin, that. You're right. It wasn't yeah. like Shishkin was bad at the last three, but he was just that bit left out of the second last, and maybe a tiny bit skewy at the last. And these are just yeah. marginal things, you know. And, mar- and over it, whatever they jump thirteen fences, you know, they yeah. do add up. And if an argument can go and do his thing from the front. You know, it's going to take a very good one to pick him up. Shishkin clearly is a very, very good one, but he he just needs things to go right for him too. So go and have a crack. Rematch, anything, lads. Let's make if it, anything, let's if anything, the rematch has is, is, is wet my appetite even more on the basis of what happened yeah. last time. And he's throwing Shaq and he's throwing Nuba Negra. Yeah, they'll bring it on. Champion Chase is going to be an absolute cracker. And we have some other performances from the weekend before we talk about footsteps at the festival. TC, John Bond, I know you've laid him for the Supreme. Mm-hmm. Are you happy or happy? Or, Happier or, or not with your position after his win at the weekend? Or do you think perhaps the conditions uh, took away from what was actually a decent performance? What's your view? Yeah, well, uh, it was obvious to everybody he wasn't as impressive as his pre, uh, pre-race pre odds suggest there. And he, he drifted out. The last time I looked, he was about 5.7 on the exchange. But mm. uh, I think that's fair enough. I mean, he was giving away weight. He did go and get it done after looking momentarily in trouble. But has he got the, the latent class of a Dysart Dynamo or a Constitution Hill? The answer, my answer would be still no. But okay. pe- people dismissing him uh, on the back of that is they're probably a bit little bit premature, but uh yeah. he didn't he, he didn't enhance his claims for all he enhanced his uh, his winning record. Which is fair enough. And again, that question mark, the element of the unknown as well, it all sets it up very nicely. Um Tommy's Oscar um, Kevin Blake is my idea of uh, an each way bet. Um, given I am price blind for the old champion hurdle, 25 to 1 from 50s now <laughs> on the basis of what he did at the weekend. I know you 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 thought he would be beaten, um, but you have to put tip your hat to the performance. I, I thought he was very good. I thought he was very good. Do, do I think he necessarily improved a lot on his previous form? Probably not. Like it was a pretty septic grade too, you'd have to say. Yeah. Um, but look, this is it's a dreadful word. I like oh. septic. I like septic. Works well here. Um, <laughs> but look, it's a but it's, it's it's a pretty septic champion hurdle outside of the obvious one. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, appreciated might well stake a claim possibly. Um, in the meantime, but it, it's just completely lacks depth. 
Um, I, I meant to text down Barbara actually. I had a little giggle reading the, the time form report on Tommy's Oscar. Here's the line for you. He's a he's a general 25. This is about Tommy's Oscar. He's a general 25 to one chance for the champion hurdle. And whilst he is only epitaunt ahead of him amongst the British trained possibles for that race, that tells you plenty about the pathetic state of the current British two mile hurdling <laughs> scene and also a good deal more about his chances of turning over an handsome honeysuckle. Good and strong from time form. Lovely Ireland. <laughs> Yeah. Anybody else feel like a little giggle when I mentioned my friend Biggest Dickus? What about uh, Royal McCoy, uh, Vanessa? Uh, t- 16 from 25 to 1 for the Gold Cup. Um, and uh, I, again, you know, I like this horse. I don't know if I back him for the, for, for the Gold Cup, um, but <coughs> a thrilling finish to the race. Excuse me. Yeah, look, he, for me, he's definitely not a Gold Cup horse. I know on ratings and given the weight he had to carry, it puts him in the mix officially. But I think he'd get outpaced and outclassed in a Gold Cup again. Um, I don't even know if they'll end up going there with him. It didn't seem like that was absolutely set in stone, to be honest. And I wouldn't, I, I can see why they'd swerve it. But in terms of just taking that race itself, the Peter Marsh, Excellent spectacle. Absolutely loved it. Charlie Deutsch, Venetia Williams, they're one, they're they're well up there as one of the stories of the jump season so far. Absolutely flying. Kind of they they came out the stalls early and really strong. And then I thought their form is bound to peter off, but it just hasn't. Relentless from them. Uh Royal Pagai, your heart, you know, he's how can you not love a horse like that? The way he jumped those, is it three fences in the Haydock straight? You know, yeah. he's just absolutely like he's not exuberant with his jumping, but he was pimp point accurate when Charlie asked him for his jumps, his efforts. He had his head down, his ears back, proper national hunt staying chaser. I loved it. Until I saw Rich Ritchie in the winner's enclosure. Does he have a blonde mullet at the moment? Yeah, Did you see that? From talking about se- Talking about septic, that's it. That's his nickname. That's which Richie's nickname. Septic. Stop. <laughs> septic no, tank. No. Septic tank. Yank. Well, I I no, no, he's a lovely bloke, but that's that's his nickname, Septic Tank. I did not know that. But I I, I made that up, but but that's a rhyming (laughs) thing. I'm looking look, at the picture here. I'm looking at the picture. Look at the picture now. Yeah, he has, yeah, he has, yeah. He's got a blonde mullet. Honestly, guys, I haven't seen one of those in real life before. It's um it's got to Tony Blair lockdown vibes to it, isn't it? When he, when it's when pretty he... impressive. Fair cop to him. Impressive performance yeah. from the it, horse. Impressive. impressive performance from the hair. Even I could grow one of those. Really? <laughs> I want to. A yeah. blonde mullet. Well, I, I could grow. I could grow it in the back. It's just on the front. It's, I've got a bit of a problem. <laughs> Has we go to Michael Fabrigan's set, two pay shop, any chance? No, no. <laughs> um, right. Um, so that's the racing from the weekend. As we should mention the Alangi as well. I don't think he's it's bad as for the Grand National. I know he's got a quarter forty to one, but um, and you mentioned the ride as well, Vanessa. Um, fantastic. But it was a brilliant weekend's racing. Just obviously the highlight being. Um, the um, the Shishkin performance against Anurag. I mean, we'll move on to our footsteps for the festival. I, I tell you, Hugh, just, just before we do, don't forget. Oh, oh, sorry, he's in footsteps for the festival. Don't mind me. Yeah, we're, we're yeah, going. Yeah. Come on, get with the <laughs> Hello, yeah, Kevin. Yeah, no, You're a professional. Oh. You're a professional. The Turners, uh, formerly the Marsh, formerly the JLT, formerly the God knows what. Um, Bob Ollinger, as you can expect, is 11 to 10 um, at the time of uh, recording here for the Turners. Gallop in the Shop is in there at four to one. And I guess the main question around this now is, 
Like if, if Gavin Deschamps was declared against Bob Bollinger, I wonder what prices they would be and, and who would you guys be on? It's not beyond the realms of possibility. I, I, I heard somebody connected to the Willie Mullins camp, Ken Blake, say that it's not a foregone conclusion that Gallup and Deschamps is going to go for the three-miler. Could he line up in the turners over two and a half miles, do you think? Or is that a bit of a stretch? I'd say, to, to quote Aidan O'Brien, it's a definite possibility. Um, yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like, Bob, like Bob Hollinger, he doesn't have a like the kind of fear factor you might have expected surrounding him at the minute, does he? No, like no. He's kind of put in, like he's won his two starts over fences, like the form is good and solid. But it didn't have the X factor, did it? Neither time. You know, if Gallup and Deschamps goes and um, uh, does his thing now at Leopardstown in uh, whatever it is, two weeks, uh, you, you know, they, they could be the one holding the ace hand for the turner. You know, why 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 would they be afraid if he goes uh, and bolts who would you, who, you would you, who would you be on, Kev? If I gave you a free fiver bet and said, pick them, and obviously prices, um, prices don't come into it as, as always, you see. <laughs> um, Bob Bollinger or Gallup and Deschamps, just straight up, who would you rather be on? God, well, the price blind. Yeah, it's it's, it's it is a tricky one, but but I'd have them very close together. But they wouldn't be close together, probably, you know, because Bob Ollinger still has this thing around him, this aura surrounding him because of what he did last year. As we mentioned a couple of weeks last week, reviewing the race, like I would still very much consider be open to the possibility that Bob Ollinger could get back to that sort of form when he hits better ground. You know, because he is a particularly good moving horse and he hasn't had a chance on that type of ground yet over fences. So uh, I just say I certainly wouldn't be going near him with a barge pole at his current price. Uh, and galloping to Sean Biff, he does put on a show at Leopardstown. You know, his, the type of horse he is, maybe his connections would be happier going for the, the mid-range trip rather than the staying trip. So, yeah, I just, uh, the, 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 there could be an awful lot to unfold in this, uh, the market for this race in the next couple of weeks, Hugo. Who would, who would you who would you be on, Vanessa, before I, before I get Tony's view? Um, who uh, would you be on between the two? Between the two of them, if they mm. both lined up, I'd be with Gallup and Deschamps. And yeah. at the moment, looking at the market, um, I, you know, just at one that, well, it's not a bigger price, third best in the betting, but the home press is probably a forgotten horse in this. When you watch back, not forgotten maybe, but when you watch back that dip of performance, like he's so accurate with his jumping. He's gonna, he'll, he'll cope with ground conditions when it comes up sort of Cheltenham, good to soft or whatever they'll call it. He's acted around the track. That performance from the glance, uh, you know, beat the glancing queen sort of seven or eight lengths, I think. Fantasticast was back in third, has come out and won again since. Admittedly, the ground is probably far too quick for Fantasticast and also the trip too short. But the mm. glancing queen is a solid yardstick. And Lahon Press really impressed me. The more I watched that back, I watched it again this morning. And it's just a good performance. Jump really well from the front is going to put pressure on the likes of Bob Ollinger's jumping because he's so accurate. He's going to go out in front, set a nice, like set nice fractions. And look, no doubting, I'm sure Bob Ollinger has a bigger engine and more class. But just in terms of his jumping, which we picked apart, well, we discussed on this show last week, whenever it was, I just think that a horse like Lahan Press could put his jumping under some pressure. And at that sort of level, it would only take a couple of mistakes to have him on the back foot. And then when you watch what Lahan Press did from the second last to the line, really, fairly skip clear, ping the last two and skip clear up the hill from, like I say, a solid yardstick in the Glancing Queen. I think his price is too big. I suppose, Vanessi, of- we, we, we <clears throat> could consider the possibility that Long Press is the best novice chaser in Britain and he could still finish 20 lengths third. Well, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> because, because, obviously, if everyone, bring, everyone reverts back to the, the grade one winning hurdle form, don't they? But, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think if you're going to have a bet in the race now, I think Long Press each way is probably it. 
because you know he's probably going to go there. We agree. No, we do. If you look at that race, I mean, everyone's saying, "Oh, Bob Olinger is really impressive." Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah we're not yeah. that. Anybody can bloody say that, but would you back him at even money? The answer is no. No. Um, outside, outside, I'd like a special maybe. <laughs> With the thumbs she, up. What did he do? <laughs> I put my thumbs, thumbs up. up. <laughs> yeah, well, he probably back galloping Duchamp at six to four as a saver as well, wouldn't he? Um, and you'd have a few quid and long press and even more. Yeah, yeah, just in case. Yeah, just in case. Ireland, Marcus. I look at this race and I'd like a, I'd like so a price well. on. Uh, although Lompress is, is the bet because I think he's got good cl- great claims and he's going to go for the race. William, yes. Mullins, William Mullins holds the key here, doesn't he? I, mean, I, I, I think Bob Ollinger makes the market for, you know, for, for non-believers like me. And he's obviously he's got maybe galloping to Champs, but he's got a whole host that could step up in trip from the two miles. You've got Blue Hold, Hold on Kalora is interesting, TC. If he would yeah. go here at 10 to 1, I think. Hold he's on, Hold on Kalora, he's got Blue Lord. He's got a Statler, people talking about him, maybe not, 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 you know, not being the free miler. They tried him over in the Albert Park last year. St. Sam is a horse I'm really yeah. interested in. I, I, I texted the owner this morning before we came on, and they said they're leaning towards, um, you know, keeping him to two miles. That's the plan at the moment. I said, is that your idea or the owner or the trainers? And he just said, who do you think? So <laughs> it, it could well be that they, they stick to two miles yeah. with that. I mean, Willie Mullins holds the key to this race. I mean, he's got four or five in here. I would be mm. seriously, seriously interested in if they were going to go there. But in the in the absence of non-one and no bet, I think I think people are going to on this race. People are going to keep their powder dry at the moment. But yeah, Mullins, I'd like a price on Mullins now to win the race. I must admit. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, then um, that's the Turners then, and obviously Willie holds the key, and we'll get a, a better idea closer to the festival, or maybe not. Um, the Ryanair, surely now the greatest certainty of all time double is Fernie Hollow to win the Oracle and Alaho to win the Ryanair. Kevin Blake, after what he did yesterday, what a horse! Yeah, he's very good. In fairness, I actually went along the Turners yesterday, um, and it was great. Nice and warm, cra- was it? Nice and warm. Yeah, it was absolutely Baltic, but you know, it's your own, it's your own fault if you don't dress appropriately going to Turles because everyone knows it's very cold there. But a uh, great crowd, a few hot whiskeys helped the cause, and I'm sure Alaho was the main event, wasn't he? And unfortunately, I suppose that some of the some of the luster was taken off the race with Fakir Dubery trying to take the first fence home with him. Um, but Alaho, I don't think he would have beaten Alaho anyway. The the kind of the vulnerability with Alaho, you'd be slightly worried about going into yesterday was just a, a previous tendency to jump left. Um, but it wasn't really an evidence in fairness to him. He was pretty straight in the main. He was very slightly left at times, but nothing too detrimental. And sure, look, he put the race to bed after the second last. Um, I'd say his connections were delighted now because they weren't delighted really, despite winning the John Durkin. He had a bit of a slogger there. Um, they gave him plenty of time to get over it. He was very good here. And yeah, Hugh, all roads lead to the Ryanair. And, and talking about, you know, Bob Ollinger kind of living on the, the luster of his victory at the festival mm. last year. You know, who could forget Alaho? Jesus, good Lord. He was unbelievable. 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 Let me let me just put on the Tony Calvin price hat for a second here. Um, <laughs> Careful price, now. <laughs> I'm looking at this race, TC. Um, there's, there's one bet that stands out to me at the price because... You know, I think this horse probably goes here uh, on the basis of his last run where he was just an old boat over two miles, picked up a grade one, God knows why. If Envoilen comes back to somewhere like his previous form and he's entered in the Ryanair over two and a half miles, given the the, the price he is 16 to one each way right now, I think that's worth a punt. Um, What do you think? No. 
Okay. That's <laughs> it's a, a no me, from me. Give, give me give me one line of form that suggests you can get in the first three or four in that race. In this race, all of it's yeah. novice form, all the way up to everything that he did last year when he fell at Cheltenham, suggested this horse was a monster. He hasn't yeah. been the same horse. He's moved stables. He's away from Gordon. He's down with Henry Drumhead now. He has not been himself. If he comes back to something like his novice form, he absolutely has the gears and potential to be in the first three in this race, 100%. Well, what, what I would say in your defence is this is obviously a very weak race outside of the favourite. and Yes, the favourite jumps round and he's in the same form as he was last year and he did put up the performance of the festival last year uh, then you know he's going to win isn't he but he's, he's jumping he's jumping he's so extravagant and so risky is probably the wrong word but you always think if you're a layer he's going to he's got a, he's got an error in him but if he hasn't then you've done your money um, I spoke to Paul Nichols this morning about what he's what he's what he's going to run in this because and all evidence, you know, St. Calvados, runner-up in this race in 2020, um, he's got the he's got the ideal candidate without Alaho and St. Calvados, hasn't he? Given that the ride, you know, that was given in the King George, that's going to go to the uh, Ascot Chase. I don't know if it's still sponsored by Betfair, and then it's going to go here. So, if you're back in St. Calvados, I think you know that's going to be the run there. And um, I asked him about um, Hitman as well, and that's really oh, interests me because no. that is a six-year-old on the up. Had two mile form, form last year and obviously career best in the Tingle Creek last time. That's really interesting. And he just said, that's a possible, uh, that could go game spirit uh, and maybe possibly thrive. 33 to 1. 33 to 1 hit um, he's, I, I was looking, I was looking at, he's, he's about double that on the exchange. Um, wow. And I thought, again, but I'd want a without market. In, all, in a lot of these races that we're covering, I think bookmakers should be pushing the without markets because obviously you've got your Union Jack lined up already with nine shorties, <laughs> haven't you? And but you just outside outside of the favourites, most of which are, are pretty bloody damn solid. You, there's a real fascinating book. So if I was a bookmaker, and they don't like doing without markets so far out anti post, but I, I think I think uh, all bookmakers are missing a trick there. So um, Hitman would interest me at a really big price. Um, I was thinking about taking a flyer each way uh, on that kind of horse because I do like the horse. I think he would have gone a lot closer in the Tingle Creek last time. He, he made a made a mistake two out, and like I said, he's only a six year old, yeah. very few miles on his clock, and he and he was you know he was a two mile full horse last year as well. So yeah, I mean Saint Kel, I think Nichols Nichols the Nichols pair would interest me outside of the outside of the, the field. I can't have the likes of Mister Fisher. Janet was half interesting, but. No, um, St. Calvados uh, and Hitman would be the two outside of a, a very, very solid and formidable favourite. Vanessa, can you see my case for Envoy Allen or no? It's a no from me. It's a no from me, Ted. Okay. Uh, what's, what's, would, your view, what's your view into this race then? I mean, uh, you know. Uh, well, I'm just very interested in Tony's views and knowledge there, inside knowledge about St. Mm. Calvados because... Um, stealing another Tony I work with work, so to speak. Um, he's another Tony has made a very good case for St. Calvados as well. Um, pretty obvious, isn't it? And it's only when you think about that run in the Ryanair where he finished second to Min, Allo, the new Min type of role, you know, that was only three starts ago for St. Calvados. If they run him at Ascot, as Tony suggests, then it'll be four starts ago when he goes to the Cheltenham Festival. You know, he is a nine-year-old now, but that trip and track at Ascot seems to bring out the best in him. And he's got the ultimate trainer upgrade, as was brought to my, well, not well, brought to everyone's attention this season. And so 
I think, you know, he's sort of in that long press type role. I feel like I'm going for a very similar type in every category for this Footsteps to the Festival section. But that's sort of slightly too big a price in my eye for what we know he might be able to do around here at a track and trip that he's got a good record at. Okay, all right. Um, interesting. So, Allo, obviously, after the weekend, is going to be uh, hugely popular on the day. But look, we'll wait and see what lines I mean, up look, there. I'm only making that case as Tony is, because just like mm. Bob Ollinger, Allo, you know, I, I'm not going to be backing him at that sort of price. So I'm yeah. not that sort of punter, unlike it's, you. <laughs> it's just like yes. Allo's price is, is fully justified, as is Honey Suckles. Yeah. Bob yeah. Ollinger isn't. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, fair enough. Fair enough, absolutely. The Sarah's hurdle then before we get on to the rest of our listener questions. Um, classical dream after his win last time out, uh, albeit with a little bit of a head start, um, is 11 to 4 at the top of the market. You've got Champ in there. Will he stay over hurdles? A lot of people hope he will, and that'll be a cracking race at 7 to 2. Flooring Porter defending Champ 13 to 2. You've got Time Hill. Uh, sorry, 11 to 2. Time Hill 13 to 2. Asterian for Lange. He's not going to go on the stairs, surely. Um, but, right, you can start us off here, Vanessa, if you don't mind. Um, if Champ stays over hurdles, he'll be very popular in this. I've always been a huge fan of Classical Dream, and uh, I'd be inclined to stick with him based on what he did last time, albeit the big asterisk is he's a, a headbanger in the vein of Goshen and all those other lunatics. But um, who do you who do you like in this race? Oh, look, this is my this is my category. I've been banging on about this division all season. Everyone know, hates it, I, I bloody yeah. love it. Right. Lunatics Anonymous category. This yeah. is, I'm all about this here. Um for me, it's fascinating. I love it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> classical dream, I think. I, for me, Champ is the way in here anyway. Classical dream, I can see all the attraction about him. Of course I can. I can see he's a class act. They're now honing in on this stairs hurdle, uh, forming him into a stairs hurdler. And obviously his performance at Leopardstown, despite the start, whatever you want to say about it, I think he would have won anyway. Um, he's the class act and he's the rightful favourite, given what we don't and do know about the others. But for me, Champ... If he was an old, if he was actually a genuine gold cup horse, which I think he was, and he, he was in my eyes at one stage, a gold cup contender. Look, he's at the age of 10 now. He has the class and the ability and the engine to win this race. I think they're going to go here with him, especially after seeing him at Ascot. That just, I was so impressed with him at Ascot in the long walk hurdle. The way he kicked in the turbo, the way he seemed to relish the test. I just, for me, I, I genuinely think they're going to go here because ultimately that team, they like winning races at the Cheltenham Festival. And this is a very clear candidate for this race and what is a very open looking race because then you've got lunatics like flooring porter time hill i don't think is good enough Asteria for Lange won't go sporting john would be an interesting one at a bigger price given what we saw him do last weekend but ultimately it's all about the top of the market for me and i'm all aboard the champ train here even at the age of 10 i think this could be he's promised so much this horse i just think this mm. could be his day in the sun his big big yeah. big day in the sun I, I'm with you as well. I, I'd love to see him line up here. Kevin, I know you, you don't like this division. You're the opposite of Vanessa. I'm with Vanessa here. I, I think it's shaping up to be a cracking race now. It's been so weak over the last few years. You're using recency buyers to close your judgment here. But we actually, if, if, if even five or six of these horses line up, it's going to be a cracking race. No, it has come alive, in fairness. It has come, come alive. Come on, Kev. And Champ is a great whole X factor to add into it, in fairness. Because, um, like, look, his credentials are there. We know he's, he's got probably as much talent as 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 any horse really knocking around is it's channeling it has always been a bit of an issue for him but uh, he seems to have been uh, remodeled recreated as a as a saying hurdler now and sure he's a great addition to it look i'm a big classical dream fan i have been 
um, ever since we saw him do what he did in his comeback at Pontchastown um, last season. And I, I really liked his performance against Florin Porter. Um, I know excuses could be made for the latter, but I think Classical Dream will beat him every day. And um, yeah, look, he's look, he's the fav, but is he's to me, he's the one. And uh, yeah, even even Kevin Blake might get a bit excited about the stairs hurdle this year. Hey, hey. <laughs> fantastic! Oh, what about you, Tony Calvin? I mean, if Tony Calvin gets excited, we might as well the four horsemen of the apocalypse to come over the cliff. But what do you think, Daisy? Uh, it's another race that obviously the, <laughs> yeah, but the, top, yeah, but the top four in the betting. They're not. Would you would you back any for a top any of the top four of the betting at the current prices? I I wouldn't. I mean, classical dream. Yeah, you can make a case. Well, no, three, I definitely would. He's only going to one. shorten when he's confirmed. But yeah, yeah well, I, it will be confirmed because if the seven barrows traitor schooling jockeys have anything to, have anything to do with, <laughs> yeah. uh, they, they, they'll go on strike if he goes back over fences. I think <laughs> by the sounds of it. Um, yeah, I, I can see the case for champ, but is he a, is he a kind of like a safe conveyance? Probably not. Yeah. Flooring ports. Probably the most go straight there, and it's probably the most solid one. I can't, other ones, the four at the top of the market, I can't have time here. I don't think I don't think you'd be no. good enough. The no. one that would interest me, and I think they might go down, but they might go down the attempt route as uh, last year's runner outside of Burley. I mean, I think they they got in their excuse quite early after that four foot Warwick last time off a mark of 158. They said he was he, he struck into himself or, or something like that. Um, again, I, you know, that was a tee-up job for that for Cheltenham. Whether it's the attempts, the UK handicapper will decide. But uh, I thought uh, uh, one at uh, twenty to one plus, and he's about he's about forty on the exchange. That suggests that might go for attempts if they get the mark. I thought Cider Burley, given his given his Cheltenham Festival record, would be an unbelievable record. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like like it, but um, I yeah. couldn't see an angle into that. I couldn't see. Okay. An angle. No problem. Well, that's that's the three covered. Um, good stuff and plenty of food for thought there. Kev, just quickly, and um, the Galmoy and the Thiestes are going this week. Um, Classical Dream has entered a six to four favourite in the Galmoy. Album Photos also in there at seven to four. Um, in the in the Galmoy. So I don't, I don't know if they're both going to line up here, but um, your thoughts on that quickly. Yeah, this is Goran Park's big day of the year. If you can get along at all, if you're this side of the water, or if you're in Britain, travel over, lads. It's a free-for-all yeah. now. <laughs> it, it really is a great day's race. It's a cracking really, day. Cracking yeah, day. Really, really, yeah. really comes alive down there. The, the, the race that stops a county, they call it down there. And um, it, it really is a super day. So try and get down if you can. Will be great to see Classical Dream if he turns up. Album photo. Willie seems to be seem to be leaning this way for his Gold Cup prep. Um, we'll see. You know, Willie had changed his mind eight times between now and then. Um, yeah. But for the big one, the TS days is always a belter as well. Um, I don't have a fancy at this stage, but um, you know, if we, if that'll take a fair bit of hammering once we get to it. It's always one of the most competitive handicap chases of the season. So yeah, really looking forward to it. You'll, you'll be there for RT, you, I assume. Um, yeah, will be. I can't wait. I'm, I'm I, you know, it's outside. We had a question a couple of weeks ago. Your favorite meeting outside of the big ones, and this is mine. Uh, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Make, uh, make sure you back. pronounce Gowron right, though. No, no, this Gowron shot. Gowron, 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, come from Gowron. Right. The, uh, the rest of the rest Navan. Navan. Yeah. Let's go on to uh, the rest of our listener questions, uh, guys, if you don't mind. On the subject of Linkfield, um, Craig says, Linkfield's new fixtures seem a disaster with low fields, but perhaps ideal for a few hard-to-place horses, example, Bristol, Goshen, on the blind side, etc. Should they experiment moving to the summer to bolster turnout as an alternative to Galway or market raise and plate day? Um, mm-hmm. Joseph C says, I have to say the Winter Millions has been very disappointing. The answers to the GB Jumps programme issues is putting on huge prize money only to attract average handicappers and grade two horses prepared to run on the absolute bog that I'm missing something. Um, is that mm-hmm. fair comment? 
I mean, it was year one, lads. Relax. Jesus, it yeah. takes these time. You know, it was, it was announced, I suppose, relatively late in the day. We know trainers are creatures of habit. Um, you know, in racing, we love knocking new things, especially in year one. Mm. But um, I'd, I'd give it, I, I thought it was perfectly fine. I think the viewing figures on terrestrial TV were very good for it. Um, we saw some great races. And I strongly suspect that year two is going to be um, significantly better in terms of depth and quality uh, of the runners that turn up. I was, I was a bit surprised there wasn't more Irish runners. Um, but look, trainers are creatures of habit. Um, and I suspect we'll, we'll be seeing a fair few more uh, making the trip next year because the prize money is excellent. Yeah, I think it's got a lot of scope for, like you say, year one. It's only going to get better building block now going forward. I think it's got a lot of scope if, uh, you know, building it around the Ascot meeting. I know it's always going to be in the hands of the weather gods, but in terms of the races they put on and the prize money, I think more and more people get involved. Like you say, Kev, start targeting it a bit earlier. It was a last minute thing. Um, I, I I really enjoyed it actually it worked well on the Sunday with Sky Sports Racing obviously they share the rights with ITV so it's on both platforms which is excellent for coverage but for us on Sky it was our only meeting of the day just tying in with a bit of international racing but other than that it's our only UK meeting so they really threw the kitchen sink at it they had the full Sky pad there Jamie Lynch, Mick Fitz, Alex full t- and Haley reporting and I watched it on our platform and I'm not just saying this from a biased point of view I really really enjoyed the day's racing obviously there was a, an obvious low point with master tommy tucker but other than that i it was it was actually very enjoyable i think it's got a lot of scope yeah i mean yeah. obviously obviously the field sizes were well, some of the races were you know were, were pretty bang average weren't they with free runner races and the like but yeah I, I think there's i think there's scope there i mean if you give the racing league another go, you're going to give this one another go, aren't you? <laughs> um, I give I give this another go ahead of that bloody racing league. Yeah, and, but, but I, I think I mean, it's interesting. There was a BHA board meeting at Windsor last week, wasn't there? And there's some talk about Windsor coming back and maybe being host to this kind of meeting next year because they did get exceptionally lucky uh, with the weather. I mean, it was obviously heavy ground and two weeks beforehand, there was no rain, so... If they got any appreciable rain, that meeting would have been off, wouldn't it? But uh, but, uh, just one uh, a big plus to George Hill and his I think it's George Hill, isn't it? There, yeah, and and his team there covering that track twice. Yeah, Uh, the man hours that went into ensuring that meeting went on was was absolutely phenomenal. So so fair play to them. Obviously, you can knock the field sizes, you can knock the fact they're they're putting on races where we haven't got the horse population to service, but they put on the prize money. And uh, fair play to them. Yeah, they definitely Darren, another whack. Last one on, on, on Linfield. Darren Hughes, when national meetings are run on a track that is also an all-weather track, example, Linfield today, why are bumpers run on the all-weather instead of the turf? If they're meant to be for educational purpose, why run the horse on the surface? Many will never encounter again under race conditions. Mm-hmm. Get rid of bumpers. Just get rid of I, them, all of them. Get I rid of them. I was going to ask around about this question and completely forgot, so sorry, whoever asked was, that. I, I what tell you what, is I, the I, answer? I, I bet when the I bet when those that German horse got entered, I bet they didn't uh, look at the small print and see it was still on the uh, still on the old weather. That's a real, real yeah. stamina one. But yeah, it was okay. a curious one. Okay, um, so Pierce Tyler says with the new strategy taken by the British handicapper of dropping horses generously after a few bad runs lead to an increase in non-triers. Example: If a trainer had a late season target, wouldn't it be within this their is- interest for it to run three bad races, be dropped ten pounds for the target? This is an actual great question. I, I hadn't even considered the uh, the non-trier angle. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, of course it does. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. And there you go. So um, great question. And 
I don't know what can be done about that under the current system and rules. Um, Sean Hill says, having just watched the underwhelming John Bond replay, what caught my eye most was the two ambulances and six or seven further vehicles in tow. Of course, I understand the need for ambulances and doctors, but if so many vehicles necessary often can be off-putting for the horses too. Is that the case if they're behind and they're kept outside? Um, I, I did ask um, Jamie Spencer from the flat and Nico about this, and they just said it was a, a necessary evil. Jamie said it's not really it doesn't really impact upon it. And I think Nico just said they never really kind of learnt see them anyway. So I don't know, I don't know why the six or seven, because you only need a couple of ambulances and a couple of doctors and stuff like that. But um, it, they're just necessary. It did make me laugh. Someone replied on Twitter that uh, apparently there's a joiner's van that goes around with the field uh, uh, at Carlisle. So I don't know. I don't know if they need some. Ele- I don't know if they need some electrical jobs to need doing in running. But, yeah. Oh, what's a joiner? Is that woodwork? Or woodwork. 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 Yeah. 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 Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Actually, maybe to uh, build any fences that get demolished. There you go. <laughs> Two minute job. There you go. A couple of hammers. There you go. Um, Rich Evans says, Venetia's yard in red hot form right now. Can you ask Kev, why do yards hit these streaks? Was Ollie Murphy's earlier in the year? Is it a change of routine, feed, etc.? Many thanks. Um, there's probably no hard and fast rule why yards have streaks like this. Uh, yeah, look, there's a million answers to this. Like, but, but horses' health can kind of go through a barn, you know, and go through a yard. You know, So when, when things are going a bit bad and there's little low-level respiratory things doing the rounds, it can affect, you know, everything. And can take a little while to clear, but then when everything's really enraging good health, you know that can almost seem contagious at times too. So that's why that's why you can get the the streakiness, and it, it can be associated with certain yards too. Like it's a bit of a quirky example, but you'd get some yards would be in areas where there's um, rapeseed mm. planted around, and trainers hate rapeseed because when it, when it pollinates there in the spring, it can be it can cause problems for for horses like allergies. And um, there's there's some yards that I can't think of any recent examples, but I know going back 10 and 20 years, there, there's yards that you uh, would would um, would um, I'm nearly sure there's a couple of big yards yeah, that would say publicly, you know, we don't like you know we don't like to run horses too much early in the season, kind of March April because the the rape the rape is um, is blooming. And wow. uh, we expect our horses to, yeah. to be a little bit um, a, compromised at the time. It was a very big name trainer. I think it might be Irish that, that happened with. But yeah, yeah, that is a factor. Well, it was the, the okay. old trick if you uh, if you're a farmer that owned land next to a racehorse trainer, you'd uh, you you'd go in and say, "Hey, boss, you know, I'm thinking about planting some rapeseed there. Hope you, hope, hope, hope you <laughs> don't mind." So they buy it. So they buy the land off you in anticipation of a payoff for the buy the land. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Good thinking. Elsie Goddard says, um, "Should there be a time limit on inspections? Market raising was a farce. I had a runner there." Traveled 200 miles. Oh my God. And checked into the hotel by the time it was called uh. off. At the third inspection, 20 minutes before the first race, not good enough. Elsie, that's that's awful. Yeah, well, that was that was a particularly extreme example, wasn't it? That was, I think there were three inspections. The last one was 11.30. So, yeah. yeah it's ridiculous yeah. that. They've got um, yeah. But then again, we, we've had it a few times this season, uh, Huntingdon and the like. And But yeah, it's, it's not ideal, is it? But... I don't. Um, I don't see what they can they can do really. But there was some talk about it having not a snowballs and hell's chance. I think that might be the main issue yeah. here, other than the fact they're giving it every chance. Back in okay. my youth, I remember traveling over to Cheltenham for uh, might have been one of the November days, and I arrived to the front gate. It was a day trip. Arrived to the front gate, off. Had to turn around. Go to the pub. 
Go for the pub the, for the day. Yeah, literally, yeah. yeah that was so oh, that must have been. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, right, rule four, Stuart Gardner says, I don't understand why when a horse is withdrawn, the horse you've backed has drifted to a bigger price, even with the withdrawal, yet you get the rule four. I totally appreciate when your horse shortens due to the other coming out. Rule fours are needed. Um, TC, I mean, should, should the rule four apply if your horse drifts like that? I think if you take a price and you haven't got best odds guaranteed, uh, you're going to have to just, just wear it, aren't you? Um, okay, and um, Bradley Lemos says, Lemos guaranteed is a, is a privilege, isn't it? Not a right. Yeah. yeah. Bradley Lemos says, um, the top Irish trainers are giving out about the ground in Leopardstown, but if Cheltenham came up the same, they'd still run their horses. Surely the ground at Leopardstown isn't that bad. But we'll find out in a couple of weeks' time. Mm. Um, we haven't had rain here since 1948, which is if it's the last run of your season, we'll say, or the big run of your season, you will yeah. take, be, be, take a bit more of a risk maybe than you would. Um, at this stage of the season, because you know, if it was Punchestown, we'll say, you know, you're not as upset about your horse coming back a shade jarred up or what have you, because they've got a, a long summer to to get back right again. But if you if, you, if they come back from Leopardstown a little bit jarred in the first week of February, and you're you're trying to get to the second week of March, um, in yeah. in the in the form of your life, it's just you can see no, why there might be an element of yeah. caution there with, with certain horses. They put the yeah. shits up, remember that they've been they've been watering there for ages, haven't they? But they're yeah, like they they're have. watering a Christmas tea seed or watering like from a long way out of Christmas. And they ended up getting, I think, an inch and a half of rain on the Saturday before racing. And it's still like <laughs> it was still quick enough. It's mad. You know, like yeah. that, the track, they, like they've done an unbelievable job draining that track, you know, with a view to flat racing. But it, it makes jump racing a real challenge for them in yeah. terms of getting the getting the surface they want. Sammy Rolls says, um, come on, then I'm absolutely mad to really fancy him back a steering for lunch in the Ryanair. It's always competed at Cheltenham. <laughs> Sammy, on your head be it, another headbanger. We should do a top five headbangers list for next year. That will also come good. That will also come good one there's time. There's a few people, there's a few quid knocking around in the exchange market, I think, for that horse for the I mean, uh, for the stairs hurdle. No, for yeah. the oh, stairs hurdle. hurdle. Wow, yes. I couldn't good. see that, no. No. What a headbanger race that would be if they all sort of classical dream, a steering for lunch, challenge. Jamie Moore off the Goshen. That's that's a brilliant interview on the uh, yeah. uh, very on, good, yeah. He just said, but, but, um, obviously, he was obviously absolutely fuming. He's the best horse in the race of about 20 lengths, but that's just a horse yeah. that just doesn't want to do it. He just said, stick, stick headgear on it and stick it in the stick it up to three miles. You'd love to see Goshen in the uh. Yeah, the oh. Imagine those five horses went into a bar and sat down for a few pints. Imagine I'll, tell, I'll tell you what, Goshen would probably end up. Goshen <laughs> would probably end up in the Guinness tent, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing left at the end of it, right? Last five questions, guys. We'll fly through these. Uh, Slapper said, "Should racing look to introduce forty-eight hour decks used at the festival to tackle the Willie Mullins bingo effect to help?" Um, each day punters for the rest of the year when the horse multis are entered was a change at Cheltenham, uh, but not for all meetings. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's talking about. In everyday life, as opposed to Cheltenham, because we get that anyway now, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we do. James Wright says, um, Kevin constantly criticised National Hunt Racing, rightly so, I might add, and for having too many options at its flagship festivals, Cheltenham mainly. However, very rarely any criticism of the flat, Royal Ascot, Gor Glorious Goodwood, York, Ebor, etc. Plenty of weak races, but seem to get away with it. Ah, see, the, the thing is that there's a huge amount of international oversight when it comes to the flat and the stakes mm. programme. Like, I, I'm on the... The pattern race committee in Ireland, like so, you kind of see it firsthand year in, year out. Like, if a race isn't performing over three years, it gets downgraded. It doesn't matter how much you you you, you don't want to get downgraded, it happens. You know, yeah. so there's a huge amount of oversight there. You know, we have we don't have a shortage of good horses on the flat in any way, shape, or form. Whereas we do have a big shortage 
um, in the UK. Uh, sorry, over in jumps in general. Um, so that that's the difference. You know, I don't think it's okay. an issue with the flat as such. You, you find little mm-hmm. patches here and there in races that yeah. you, you'd love to be a bit stronger, but in the main, like it, it stands yeah. up very well. Okay, Michael Tom says Navin two hundred five Banks boy written by Jack Kennedy, a thing of beauty until the last two hundred yards. Trying to be too clever, or was there a Stewart's inquiry? And yes, I'm talking through a pocket fourteen for one. Killer, uh, 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 killer, yeah. A bit of a signal, wasn't it? Uh, that was yeah. yeah traded at one hundred one. Looks like it was coming there swinging. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Just, it just, just died, didn't. Like, just I think he he just mistimed it completely. I mean, he missed. Yeah, he doesn't often get it wrong, Jack. But it, unfortunately, he got he got that wrong. It was a weird. It was a weird one because he got it's there to win it. It got there to it got there to win it, and I don't know what went wrong. It, you know, he, just, he, didn't, he got his he timings wrong. Got something wrong. It was like Archibald. He didn't. He didn't throw the kitchen sink at it. Maybe the horse is very quirky and can't get yeah. hit with it. But visually, yeah. it looked a bit odd. I must admit. Yeah. Was there a steward? Okay. Was there a steward? Yeah. They, well, they, there was a report that came out of it. I think yeah. Jack basically said, "Look, the horse is very leery," and yeah. um, you know he was kind of deliberately ridden that way. But it was mm. like exaggerated mm. confidence slash yeah. patience. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was yeah. an odd one. Kirsty, we might get back to your question of one thing that we'd all do, radical thing to uh, fix the problems with the UK fixture list, because that would take um, uh, more time than we have left to go through. But we'll have a think about it between now and maybe um, next week, if that's OK. Keith Nicholson says, why do some flat tracks put in cutaways on the home straight? Suggle uh, needs, uh, they need a new one. Um, Sinwalsa Dundalk, Goodwood, Chester, Kempton is a huge one. Surely a constant in a rail is better and safer. No, I find have cutaways everywhere. I, I love the effect yeah, of cutaways. Yeah, Suggle actually... I was at Suttle on Friday, Kevin. They, um, the guys there were talking to me about how well that's been, the how well that's gone, that new cutaway they've got there on the new surface, and they're delighted with it. Just fairer results, mm. uh, more, more competitive finishes, and uh, safer as well. And I think the jockeys are very happy with it there too. Great. Yeah, I like it. Okay, famously, they, they've tried they tried one at Leopardstown at the back end there. I really hope they, they keep it going next season they, they tried one like over 10 years ago and didn't really persevere but um i, I think they're a great value of pretty much everywhere you put them uh just Brilliant. creates a bit of space at a, at a vital part of the race mm. uh, tj tracks like ascot newbury have their jumps tracks on the inside of the course leaving the spectators on the in the stand a long way from the action what do you think can be done to improve increased customer experience there uh, i don't know unless you're going to move the stand well, move the Finished, but I, I like the idea of letting people go down in small groups to the fences. I think that can mm. really add mm. to a race day experience, especially for mm. people who might be relatively new to the game or not. Uh, net, a few tracks do that, don't they? Yeah, a few, yeah, a few of them do. I think they and, do it at Goodwood. I think Goodwood does yeah, it. Yeah, the best, the best racing experience I ever had was at Punchestown, where I was lucky enough to be in the car. It actually ties in with the com- the question about why there's so many cars flying around. <laughs> but, people uh, like you. I, yeah, people like me, just on a fucking <sighs> gravy train, Tony. But uh, <laughs> I, I got taken be so crude. behind uh, at Punchestown for the Punchestown Gold Cup when Ruby retired. Obviously, oh, we didn't know Ruby was going to retire. But I swear, this was the best racing experience I've ever had. We were upsides and you're, you're good. You're still a good way away. You're not in any danger of being too close to the action, but the thrill, the pace that you're going with the window down, looking at them upsides, honestly, yeah. that would Amazing. ignite anyone's passion in the game. Brilliant. And um, thank you to all our listeners for all of your uh, questions. And, um, 
TC's record on Racing Only Better is absolutely horrific. Any chance we could have your dog, Vanessa, and Racing Only Bear for Friday this weekend? Come on, the bear. There was no need oh, to cut there was oh. no need to cut his vocal cords for this anyway. <laughs> well, what, a, what a good boy. He sat there now for an hour. Brilliant. 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 He must have been impaled on a spike, ketamine, and cut the vocal cords. You know, that that dog hasn't all, moved. A couple of points here. Point one is Bear is actually a girl. I have, oh, a, right. I have uh, a male horse uh. called Bridie and I have a female dog called Bear because I like to keep people guessing. <laughs> and uh, she's <laughs> only she's only here so quietly because you can't see it, but I have a hot water bottle on my lap and she loves a hot <laughs> water bottle. So <laughs> she's fast asleep. She's a good Brilliant. dog. Um, listen, it's been a pleasure as always, guys. And um, We are back with Racing Only Better on Friday to look ahead of the weekend. Enjoy um, at the Thiastis if you're watching that as well. From the crusty Camogians and Vanessa Ryle, <laughs> yourselves.